Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network, and I'm glad you've tuned in. My name is Ernest Wamboye, and we are continuing with the series that we started last week on Overcoming Last. And we are looking at the book of Proverbs, chapter 5, and this is a book that was written by Solomon, uh, and we are looking at chapter 5, where he warns his son against sexual sin. And we want to learn how we can overcome lust. And last week we looked at chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 2, where the Bible calls us to pay attention to the words of the Lord and to listen to his words of insight. And we said we need to be self-aware. We need to listen to what the word of God is saying. We need to understand where we are as far as our struggle with sexual sin is concerned and look at the Bible's response to that struggle. We need to pay attention. We need to we need to slow down. We need to look at what God is saying in his word. We need to turn our ears. There is a call to be still, to be self-aware and to observe what God's word says and apply the word of God to what we are going through. And we also looked at what the Bible said uh, says concerning um, the, the result of doing that. When we pay attention to what God's word says, we maintain discretion. And we say discretion is the power to make choices without hindrances. The power to make free choices without hindrances. And we say sexual sin enslaves you. Sexual sin captivates you. It prevents you from making free choices. It, it, it prevents you from being truly free. But when you pay attention to God's word, discretion is a grace, a power that you have that you do not lose. You maintain it. You maintain the power to say no. And we see that the only way to get this discretion is by tapping into the grace of God that brings salvation. And we say that the grace of God is double-edged. The grace of God is pardon, but the grace of God is also power. It is pardon from sin, and it is power not to sin. And we saw that in Titus 2, 11 to 12, that says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, no to worldly passions, to live a self-control upright and godly life and we want to tap into that grace that grace that saved us from sin is the same grace that will keep us from sin and we want the pardon and the power of god's grace it is a double-edged sword we'll maintain discretion we'll have the capacity to say no and we say it will preserve knowledge according to proverbs chapter 5 verse 2 that the truth of god's word will not land on a hard heart and the word of god taken away by the devil and then we lack the wisdom we lack the knowledge but will preserve it and we say that sexual sin can cause us to leak the knowledge that god has imparted in our souls the knowledge that god has put in us in the heat of the moment you seem to forget what god has said concerning his word concerning sexual sin concerning truth and not just sexual sin every other thing concerning righteousness any other sin that affects us sexual sin can cause us to leak we lose that knowledge we don't preserve it we don't maintain it And now we want to go on to the next verses and see what is the wisdom of Solomon in Proverbs chapter 5. But before that, let me read the entire chapter so that you can understand the context. And like I say, this is a chapter that I've memorized, so I'll be quoting it from Proverbs from the NIV 1984 version. This is what it says. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen well to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bit 
but in the end she's bitter as girl, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave, she gives no thought to the way of life, her paths are crooked but she knows it not. Now then my sons, listen to me, do not turn aside from what I see. Keep to a path far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your ears to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil and reach another man's house. At the end of your life, you will groan. When your flesh and your body are spent, you will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spanned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always, and may you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's ways are before the Lord, and he examines all his parts. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. Proverbs chapter 5. All right. How do we overcome lust? So we looked at verse 1 and verse 2. Now let's go on to verse 3. Verse 3 says, For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, verse 4, she's bitter as girl, sharp as a double-edged sword. Now, one of the ways to overcome lust is to admit that sexual sin is powerful, to admit that sexual sin is attractive, to admit that sexual sin is something that has got a powerful magnetic pull on your flesh. Look at what it says in verse 3. The lips of an adulteress drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. There's such powerful imagery there of pleasure, satisfaction, and sweetness. Think of it, the lips of an adulteress. You're drawn to the lips. Now, lips are not just, uh, lips, are, uh, lips can be sexual Lips can be sexual in nature, okay? Beyond the function that they play in our, um, in our mouth, beyond that they can be used for sexual satisfaction. Lips are used to kiss. Lips are used to uh, express smooches, express affection. And lips are very private places when expressing love to someone else. Now, the Bible draws us to the lips of a woman. And we've been told the lips of an adulteress drip honey. I want you to think of lips coated with honey or glazed with honey. It's such a powerful, attractive imagery. And you may be wondering, why is the Bible describing the adulteress or why is the Bible describing lust in such an alluring way? Well, it's because lust is alluring. The Bible is just painting the reality of the matter. That the lips of an adulteress drip honey. And not just glazed with honey, honey that's dripping. And when you think about that, what's your first instinct? You want to taste that honey. But in the process of tasting that honey that's dripping, you'd be forced to land your own lips on that other woman's lips. And what would that be? That would be a passionate kiss. But we've been told this woman is an adulteress. Now, not only are her lips attractive, we've also been told her speech is smoother than oil. 
that the words that she's speaking are smooth. They get into the recesses. They go past our defenses. They do something to our soul. You know, they soothe our mind. They 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 make our will tender. Our will that was once very firm, you know, we've said no, our will is firm. All of a sudden those words just make our will very flaccid, smooth as oil. And our emotions, our emotions are just marinated in sweetness, in tenderness, in softness. Why is the Bible again using such powerful, very attractive imagery to convey what sinful lust looks like. The Bible is doing that because the Bible lives in reality. The Bible is a realist. You know, the word of God is a real is a realist, you know. And the Bible says this is the reality of sexual sin that it is attractive. And one of the ways to overcome lust is to admit that something is attractive and that something is dangerously pulling your flesh. When you know that something is attractive and it has got the magnetic strength to draw your flesh, then you know what you're dealing with. In war, one of the worst things you can do is underestimate your opponent to think that he's not so strong. I'll take him out. I will bring him down. In a fight, if you see those MMA fighters, the ones who are arrogant often end up getting beaten to a pulp. Why? Because they underestimate the power of the opponent. They underestimate the strategies of the opponent. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I believe, we are not unaware of Satan's schemes. We are not ignorant of Satan's schemes. No, we are not. We are not unaware of Satan's schemes. And the Bible is calling us to self-awareness. Do you know that lust is attractive? Do you know that lust has a pull over you? Do you know that lust is very magnetic to your flesh? Men and women who live in denial that lust is not powerful, that they are strong. Men and women who live in denial that the lips of an adulteress don't drip honey and that her speech is not smoother than oil. Those men and women are the most likely candidates to fall. The Bible says, and we quoted this last time, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, if anyone is standing, let him take it lest he fall. One of the ways to prevent yourself from falling, one of the ways to overcome lust is to admit its power. And admit that when you are under that power, the magnetic pull is strong and you are susceptible. When you not when you don't underestimate your enemy, you're more likely to overcome them. But when you underestimate your enemy, when you look down on them, when you think, ah, it's got it's got no effect on me, I'm better than that, then you fall. What is this thing that makes us underestimate the power of lust? What is this thing that makes us ignore that the adulterous woman with honey dripping from her lips and her smish that's smoother than oil is nothing is of null effect in us? That thing is pride. Pride is overestimating our strengths. And so you can see the double danger you're in. You underestimate your enemy and two, you overestimate your strengths. Pride often thinks of itself better than others. Pride often thinks of itself more superior than others. Pride thinks of itself more talented, more worthy, more qualified, more controlled, more self-controlled than others. 
I was speaking to a woman who came to me and said, you know, Ernest, um, um, I invited my ex over to my place and I kept thinking, ah, um, you know, he, he was coming with his friends. He, he said he wanted to see me. I told him, I'm not going to see you, but you can come to my place. And, you know, the guy went to her place and uh, you know what happened? She fell. She fell into sin with him. And she said, um, I, I, I will not fall into sin when I'm in the club, but when I'm at home, um, I'll fall in sin rather when I'm in the club, but I'm at home, I cannot fall into sin. What did she do? She underestimated the enemy. And secondly, she overestimated her strength. So she said, wow, man, you know, I've realized there is no safe spot for me to be with my ex. Guys, look at that. Are you underestimating the power of sexual sin and are you overestimating your strength? One of the ways in which I remember struggling with pornography and masturbation when I was in the university is that I underestimated the effect of sinful entertainment, lustful entertainment. <laughs> there would be half-naked women on screen, uh, sex scenes on screen, and I thought it's just entertainment. Honest, don't be a big baby. Come on, just loosen up. It's just entertainment. You see, when I did that, I underestimated its power. And then I overestimated my strength. I said, oh, come on, I'm being discipled. I'm a Christian. I've been born again for such a long time. I've done more than five years. You know, I'm mature. I'm strong. And that was my downfall. You underestimate your strength. You underestimate your enemy. You overestimate your strength. And you are a perfect candidate for last. But if you look at your enemy and genuinely, objectively, Admit that there is power on that side and you genuinely admit that there is weakness on your side, then you become an overcomer. It's funny that uh, sexual sin is one of the sins where we become victorious by admitting that we are weak. We don't become victorious by trying to exert our strength and showing that we are superior. We actually demonstrate our weaknesses and our dependence to God in order to be strong. When you hear that that man is strong, he overcame sexual sin, that is a man who will tell you he's the weakest among all of us. And that's how the gospel works. The gospel is an upside down kingdom. Jesus Christ came to save the earth, but how did he save? He came to save it by dying, not by living. Jesus said, the first shall be the last, the last shall be the first, the servant shall be the leader, the greatest shall be the least, and the least shall be the greatest. God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. It's the same way with last. The one who admits that they're the weakest will be the strongest. The other ones who think that they're strongest shall be the weakest. Her speech is smoother than oil. Her lips drip with honey. Now something else that I want you to see in verse 3. There are two there are two powerful senses that are targeted by lust. The first thing it says, her, the lips of an adulteress drip honey. How do you know that? You see, you look, your eyes are drawn. Secondly, her speech is smoother than oil. How do you know that? You hear her. And sexual sin often targets those two windows to the soul. Your ears and your eyes are your primary windows to your soul. And sexual sin comes after them. What you see and what you hear. Now, if you look at the lives of men and women over history, you'll understand that sexual sin mostly attacks men through what they see and sexual sin attacks women mostly through what they hear. And that is why pornography is largely viewed by men. Most pornography consumers are men. There are also female pornography consumers, but majority are men. And that is why majority of literature, erotica literature consumers are women, not men. 
there may be some men okay there are some men who consume erotica literature but many of the men, many of the people who consume that kind of those kinds of novels erotica literature are women why because with the women the literature is appealing to their ears and with the men pornography is appealing to their eyes and we need to understand that these are pitfalls that the enemy uses so what should we do to overcome lust one admit that you know lust is powerful admit that the adulterous lips drip honey admit that our speech is worse than oil but two guard your eyes guard your ears we need to set a guard of our eyes and we need to set a guard of our ears we need to be careful about what we consume we need to be very careful about what we consume our eyes gentlemen job said this in job 31 verse 1 i have made a covenant with my eyes that i may not look lustfully at a woman there is an intentionality that you have to do uh that you have to uh there's an intentionality that you need to be involved in in order to protect your eyes even with your ears and so the way to overcome lust is to protect our eyes and ears now gentlemen just because you're a man doesn't mean you don't need to protect your ears you protect your ears just as the ladies ladies just because you're a woman doesn't mean you don't protect your eyes you protect your eyes because at the end of the day you're still a sinful human being and you can fall into the same trap as the other gender guys protect your ears protect your eyes There's that song by Casting Crowns that says, "Oh be careful little eyes what you see, oh be careful little eyes what you see for the father up above is looking down in love, oh be careful little eyes what you see. Oh be careful little ears what you hear. Oh be careful little ears what you hear for the father up above is looking down in love, oh be careful little ears what you hear." The things you indulge in today in small doses eventually will bring you down. It's always a small fade. And that's how the song goes it's called small slow fade rather not small slow fade slow fade by casting crowns you know it's always a slow fade we indulge here and there and we think we're okay and then boom we are caught into sin please understand that the adulterous woman when you look at her and when you hear her and the adulterous woman he's an imagery it's not a literal it's it, it could be a literal person but it's an imagery for both men and women the source of lust initially you may feel some degree of discretion but with time it will pull you in it will pull you in now look at what he goes on to say verse four. but in the end she is bitter as gall sharp as a double edged sword aha now This is a very powerful verse that we are told that lust is powerful, honey dripping from lips, speech smoother than oil. But we are being told something. Consider the end. Consider the end game. In the end, she's bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. A few truths to learn from here. One, the power of lust is momentary. It's never, it's, 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 it never has posterity. The the pleasure of lust is momentary. It's it's never for a lifetime. And if you know this, you'll understand that it is a bad investment to make. It is a bad investment. Imagine if you went to put all your money in a company and that company and and, and I had intel that that company would collapse in a week. Would you put your money there? No, you wouldn't. You need to get your you need to get your you need to get your your, your intel concerning last and this is the intel that there is a momentary pleasure but there is a lifetime of pain 
there's a momentary pleasure. Those lips drip honey, if you go for them, those words sound amazing, smoother than oil, but if you go for them, you'll experience some momentary pleasure. But afterwards, she's bitter as girl. There's always a downside to last. There's always a pain that comes, a regret that comes that you cannot take away. And we are being asked here to count the cost. If you want to overcome last, you have to count the cost. Now, for you to be able to see the end of this matter, that at the end of Bita's girl, you need to be a visionary person to say, aha, I see her lips drip honey, but in the end, she's Bita's girl. Those, when once I taste those lips, the first taste will be honey, but as soon as I'm done, I'll be biting into a bitter, bitter olive. It's going to be as bitter as girl. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. Once you see that, you're able to withdraw your investment. Why? Because you're a person of vision. If you don't do that, if you don't withdraw your investment, it means you've not counted the cost. You've not, you've not seen the end game. You say, oh, wow, smoother than oil. Look at him. He's saying all these nice things. He's telling me things I've never had before. He's better than my other boyfriend. But he's not, he's not serious with his work with God. Mm, in the end, mm, I see where this is going. Visionary people, visionary people are able to see the beginning, the beginning to the end. They're able to see this is how it begins, but this is how it ends. And they say if it ends that way, it's not worth it. Now, this is what last does. It steals your vision. It steals your vision. And the fastest way to steal a man and a woman's vision is sexual sin because they are consumed with momentary pleasure and they never think about the end game. Because if they thought about the end game, they would not give in to it. The pleasure may be momentary. The lips may be attractive, luscious, dripping with honey. The voices may be amazing, sounding great, smoother than oil. But in the end, bitter as girl, it's not worth it. Withdraw your investment. Sharp as a double-edged sword. It cuts you on both sides. It hurts you. It hurts you. And a double-edged sword is one that can cut you on either side. If it misses you on one side, it will cut you on the other side. The consequences are inescapable. That's the other thing that the Bible is telling us here. In the end game, it is bitter. And there are consequences that are inescapable as a double-edged sword. Very sharp, very brutal, very quick, very deadly. There's a deathly repercussion. If you have that insight, you're able to withdraw your investment. I want us to pray for our eyesight to be restored. I want us to pray for our vision to be restored. Because men and women who are visionary will escape last. And let me tell you, I once saw a tweet that said, the fastest way to emasculate a man, the fastest way to destroy a man is to make him weak in the area of his sexuality. And it said, men who can control their sexuality are men who can overcome anything. And I believe that to be true. That if you can actually be visionary and say, mm, the end game is not worth it, you can overcome almost anything. Harness your sexual power. Harness yourself. Learn to live in sexual purity. And you can overcome anything. The same for the woman. I call you to be visionary women that your eyesight may be restored. Your vision may be restored. You may go down as one who had vision. One who saw clearly. I want us to pray. Father, may you restore the vision of men and women who are once visionary but lost it, who are deceived by sexual sin. I pray that, Lord Jesus, you may restore that which was lost. And Father, for those who are in the midst of temptation, remind them 
that in the end she's bitter's girl sharp as a double sword remind them that that gentleman that lady that fornication that adultery that pornography that homosexuality that entertainment that indulging that partying that that perversion it may have momentary pleasure but in the end it's bitter's girl sharp as a double sword restore our vision and restore our vision through the gospel have our eyes opened to understand that Jesus Christ has died for our sins and he has offered us eternal life and this life has moved us from death to life. By moving from death to life, we have our eyes opened, our vision. And Father, if we've lost our vision along the way, restore us again, O Lord. For it is in Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center of the Edify Podcast Network. I'm glad you've tuned in. For more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, please head over to www.edify.app, that is E-D-I-F-I.app, or you can search for the Edify app in the Google or the Apple Play Store. We'll see you next week as we continue with the series on Proverbs. Bye-bye.